Good evening, and welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd, joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, how's it going? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, hopefully, everyone is getting excited for JMU to step on the field after a week of watching some other games in the FCS playoffs. Uh, the big boys get to step on the field this week, JMU and the other top eight seeds. So we're all very much looking forward to that. Uh, we are really excited to bring you guys tonight. We have Greg Medea, who is the beat writer for JMU football at the Daily News Record. I think Rob and I, when we introduce Greg in a second, we'll, uh, we'll both, needless to say, the coverage has been incredible the last couple of years, and we are thrilled to have Greg with us tonight. So that will be uh, a treat for everybody. Uh, he knows a lot more about the team than we do, that's for sure. So looking forward to that. We are brought to you, as always, by our friends at Pale Fire Brewing Company in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the tap room anytime and mention the JMU Sports Blog podcast, and you can pick up a free pint glass, which I'm enjoying this evening. Uh, those guys are, have got to be thrilled to have three more weeks, of potentially three more weeks, of JMU football. Uh, no jinxes here. So it's good, good for them on a month that might otherwise slow down a little bit for them. I don't know. Maybe they have a big holiday crowd down there. Um, and then one thing we do want to do a little self-plug before we get started tonight. Rob and I are really excited. We have been, as, as some of you know, our longtime fans or friends know, we have tried to step, uh, dip our toes into the t-shirt game um, off and on over the years with varying levels of success. Uh, huge thanks to everyone who has bought the Rootin' shirts, everyone who did the game day shirts. Um, but we are proud to be bringing you this week, probably tomorrow, it could be Wednesday, um, our very first official JMU Sports Blog tee, and we finally got a vendor that we're really excited about. So we're going to be using Bonfire Funds, which is uh, Bonfire comes out of Richmond, Virginia. They're, yes, they are uh, run by a VCU guy, uh, but another old JMU acquaintance of ours is, is one of the big leaders over there at Bonfire and they are coming up with an awesome t-shirt. Our friend Ben Markowitz, the designer, has designed us an official logo. So this will be the official JMU Sports Blog t-shirt. We are really excited about this one. It's going to be, it's not only a, a nice shirt and a sweet shirt, but uh, it's really going to be about supporting the podcast and supporting what we're doing with the blog. So if anybody cares, uh, you'll be able to find that um, later this week. We'll obviously be tweeting that, putting that on the blog, putting it on Facebook. You can find the shirt itself at bonfire.com slash jmusb, bonfire.com slash jmusb. Um, it's going to be our new logo designed by Ben. Uh, it's awesome. And just so you guys know, uh, not to go on about this, but we are, you know, Rob and I do this at Total Labor of Love. We're just dork fans. We've been doing the blog incredibly for nine years, and we've just had so much fun doing the podcast this year. But we're hoping to raise a little bit of money um, with this particular T-shirt. It will be a campaign, so it will, it will only be open for a couple of weeks. But we're hoping to raise a little bit of money and maybe for Christmas purchase ourselves um, some new mics and some stuff to make the podcast a little better. So we'll certainly be plugging that back in, and hopefully that'll be beneficial to everyone. But now that we have uh, – <laughs> we're not paying the bills. But now that we, you guys have listened to me talk about that um, – we are thrilled to welcome Greg Medea. Greg, welcome to the Jamie Sports Blog Podcast. Hey guys, Todd, Rob, I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, we uh, we, we are thrilled to have you because um, Rob and I have been following the Daily News Record 
obviously since 1993 in Rob's case, I believe, um, uh, off and on. And over the last 10 years or so, we followed pretty closely with whatever coverage we could get. Needless to say, a decade ago, that coverage was a uh, no, no knock on the Daily News record, but that coverage was not the way it is today. Um, not that we didn't love Matthew Stouse and uh, all those guys from the original Modcast, um, but we the last couple of years with Greg and with Josh Walfish covering the basketball team, the coverage has been exceptional. And Adam, we're going to ask Greg a little bit about why that is, in addition to his own talent. But uh, welcome, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I appreciate it, and I, I think pretty much, you know, in terms of in terms of what we do at the DNR, uh, you know, it, it, I think it stems from from having, you know, first and foremost, good relationships with, you know, the the, the coaches and the players that we cover, and, uh, you know, just just to kind of start off pretty simply, you know, that 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 in terms, I think goes goes a long way, uh, in turn, and when when you're trying to do the job that that I have and the job that uh, in Josh's case with the basketball teams, uh, that that he has. Rob, what do you think about that? Uh, you, uh, <laughs> do you have any questions in particular? Yeah, well, no, just, just to jump off, I mean, like Todd said, we're really excited to have you on. We think you and the entire DNR staff do a terrific job. Um, but we think some of the credit probably goes to Houston and the other coaches, which seem to be, um, without kind of going back through previous things, a little more media-friendly than previous coaches. Um, is that facade, or are they really as forthcoming and as easy to work with as they appear to be? No, they, they've, they've made it very easy for, for me to do my job, uh, which, which helps, I, I guess. And I, I wasn't here, you know, with, it, with the previous regime at all. So I think it probably was a positive that, you know, as Mike was coming in and, and, and I was coming in, it was, it was at the same time. Uh, so, so obviously Mike had been there the spring, uh, the spring, and then I came in in, in July. Uh, so he had only been there the spring. So it was a really kind of a, a start fresh uh, for the program and the paper in terms of, you know, the relationship between the beat writer and, and the football program. Uh, so I think that that helped. And from there, you know, uh, at first it was very, you know, just I, th- I think with the way I wanted to cover the team, Mike kind of understood Mike Houston and, and the staff and, and the SID, Chris Brooks. They understood kind of where I was coming from and uh, what I wanted to do to, to ultimately, I think, and, and it goes both ways, help them, you know, showcase their program in, in a po- in, in a positive and fair uh, way, which, which, you know, from what I've heard, you know, wasn't always the case in the past. Uh, you know, I was, <laughs> you know, I was coming in with, with no agenda other than just to do my job and then cover the football team, write stories about the coaches and the players. And then, you know, you, you, when you, when you start to, you know, you're at practice and you're at interviews and you, you don't miss, you know, you don't miss those kind of things. And, you know, you, you show that you're doing your job and you're committed to doing your job. I think, you know, it goes a long way. And Houston and his coaches, I think, understood that. Uh, they could see that I was trying to, you know, carry myself in a professional way. And I think probably it, 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 it's, it's paying off, you know, now in terms of the stories that you guys get to see uh, with, with certain players. You, you probably learn more about, you know, certain players than you've heard, you know, maybe in the, in the past. Uh, and I think that comes from Houston – and and the coaches and the, and the program making you know making their players accessible and making the staff accessible, uh, which is a, a huge a huge benefit for me. If they if they're going to make their players uh, you know as, as accessible and and they're going to be accessible too, the coaches, um, you know then that's only that's only going to help me do my job. 
Yeah, it just seems like a win-win. I mean, obviously, it's, it's in nobody's interest if you guys were just throwing a bunch of puff pieces, um, and you don't do that. But right. it does seem like it's just in everybody's interest to go ahead and have, from the team's perspective, to have a good relationship with the local media. Um, it's generated a lot more interest in the program because we as fans have access to new content on a you know daily basis, which that was not the case. Uh, at times, it was almost like an adversarial relationship. And I think it was probably really difficult, a lot more difficult than we as fans knew to cover this team on a day-to-day basis. So it just seems like it's a win-win. I'm, I'm glad to hear that that's not just a bunch of smoke and that it really is a positive relationship. Yeah, Greg, what do you think um, – Like, where do you stand at the DNR? Like in terms of are, are they pleased with the sports coverage? It seems like you guys have done a lot to sort of make some of the rival stuff free over the last couple of years. Um, some of the stuff that was behind the paywall seems to be out more. Um, are they getting enough traffic to kind of justify that? I mean, has that helped you at all? Uh, I don't, I don't want to speak you know, totally <laughs> for, for, for people that, you know, make real decisions to the paper and, and right. don't just write sports stories, but I, I would hope they, they think, uh, you know, uh, they think the coverage is good. Uh, what we've, what we've just tried to do is, is, you know, I, at least me and, and I, I know Josh and, and Phil, our, our high school writer and, mm-hmm. and Jim, our sports editor, I know we're all kind of on the same page in terms of what we want out of our coverage. You know, we want real stories where, where readers and, and fans, <laughs> they can learn about the players and the coaches that they see, you know, out on the field. We've done, you know, of course, the, the human interest stuff. Uh, you guys read probably last year the story I did on Martez Stone, uh, the, the, the defensive lineman who had, you know, bounced all over from West Virginia to Lackawanna, uh, you know, down to JMU after, you know, originally going to college at Cleveland State that doesn't even have football. Uh, you know, you, you've seen the story I did probably earlier this year on Harry O'Kelly, the punter. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they're not just, you know, your, your typical player features. They're in-depth so people can learn about actually, you know, kind of where they these players come from and, you know, what they're all about and what they're doing uh, at JMU in terms of the football program. So you have the human interest aspect. We try to cover it from all from all different uh, kind of angles. And, you know, that, that means, you know, the, the hard-hitting football stuff for kind of the football nerds that love everything where, <laughs> you know, I can, talk, I can talk with Donnie Kirkpatrick and Bob Trott and, and Mike Houston about the schemes and about, you know, what goes on in, in, in game planning, you know. And maybe they don't tell me everything, but they tell me enough where I can get that information out, uh, you know, out to you guys. Uh, and and the, the readers and the fans that want it that are hungry for that you know football knowledge uh, <laughs> that, that that not ev- not everybody wants but but some people do so we want to kind of get it from all angles and then of course you know the hard hitting news type stuff where you know you're talking about coaches contracts and player transfers and and a little bit of recruiting mm-hmm. uh, so when, when when that obviously is all stuff that people care about uh, so we we try to do it the right way and and make sure we don't miss anything and I think that's that's what's helped us be a, a little bit successful, at least, you know, in my, you know, I guess, what is it, a little, a little over a year that I've been at the paper. That's great. Um, speaking of, how did you come to the DNR? Yeah, so uh, when I started, uh, when, I, when I started doing, you know, sports coverage and you know, writing sports, I was doing sports radio. I was a student at West Virginia. Uh, Let's and, go. <laughs> so, yeah, I was a student at WVU and uh, – my freshman year, I walked into the college radio station, uh, and they they were look they were hiring people. Uh, it ended up that you know I got hired on the sports staff just as like you know a, an extra guy because uh, because I was young and whatever. 
and, and at the time, their, their football producer had left school. So they needed somebody to go to the football games and cover the football games. So as a freshman, I went over and did that. And that's kind of how it all started. I uh, worked, worked through school, you know, student radio, student newspaper, and then uh, the West Virginia Rivals site. Uh, and then from there, even after I graduated, I stayed in Morgantown for two years working for the, for the Rivals site there uh, before coming to, to Harrisonburg to take this job. So uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's just how it's been. I've, I've kind of always done it, you know, always done sports coverage and sports writing, sports radio, whatever, uh, since, uh, since college. And it, it's, uh, I've enjoyed the job so far here, though. Uh, you know, covering covering a program here has, has been an interesting – it's been different because I didn't know what to expect coming from, uh, you know, covering an, an FBS program. And, uh, and a big one at that with yeah, a rabid, exactly. rabid fan base. Yeah, exactly. But to be honest, you know, you come to JMU and, you know, you get to know the coaches, you get to know the players, you start to understand the fan base a little bit. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's football and it's not all that different. Uh, maybe yeah, the money obviously is, is, is what's massively different, but you know, the fans still care in the same way. You know, you guys, you guys know the JMU fan base is, is, is <laughs> pretty small. I would say it's a pretty smart, intelligent fan base, mm-hmm. uh, from, uh, they read everything. They're always asking questions. Uh, so I think, it, I think I've enjoyed that aspect of it in the, in the sense that, uh, it's a pretty smart fan base, but, uh, it, it's definitely, you know, it, it, they they like their 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 Dukes just like the West Virginia fans love their Mountaineers. So uh, at, at the end of the day, it's football, and you know that's it's what I like writing about. Yeah. La- Labor never hurts to cover a team on this sort of streak either. I'm sure. Uh, no, yeah, that that that's the other thing too. You know, when you go back and talk about you know access with the team, access with the players, and I was gonna say with with what they've done since I've been on the beat, I've seen 25 <laughs> wins and one loss. I haven't yeah. had to ask too many tough questions. So. Yeah. Fortuitous timing. So yeah. talking about like, um, we know obviously there's a lot of game planning that goes in from the coaches and players perspective. What sort of prep do you need to do week to week um, on Jamie's opponents? Do you just kind of let it ride and cover things strictly from the Duke's perspective, or do you do any research or attempt to get to know the opponents at all? This year, uh, since I was a little more familiar with the CAA, I didn't have to do as much research. I was more familiar with the teams. Uh, but last year, with, with my first year on a beat, I, I would do research on, on the opposing teams and, uh, you know, look at, look at you know, stats and, and in-depth type stuff. Uh, but this year, because I, knew, uh, because I knew the teams from last year and all the opponents were the same, uh, I didn't really have to do a ton of research, but I would always look for certain things that I wanted to highlight and see, you know, if it if it was what, you know, I remember if they had changed, uh, depending on what they did, uh, you know, if they had a coaching change, like uh, obviously Delaware and Richmond. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did, I, you know, I'd have to do a little bit research on, uh, you know, what, what changes those coaches were making. Danny Rocco, obviously moving from uh, Richmond to Delaware and then Russ Huseman, uh, taken over at, at Richmond for after leaving Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I do a little bit of research on that. But, you know, other than that, it, it's pretty much uh, how I look at it is what stories do I want to tell. If, if there are stories on the other team that, that link back to JMU, I always want to try to hit on those. So I'll always look for those during the week. And I'll, I'll make sure I'm asking the players and asking the coaches about if, if there are connections like – Obviously, week one, there were a ton because JMU was playing at East Carolina and mm-hmm. you had Donnie and Tripp, uh, mm-hmm. Donnie Kirkpatrick and Tripp yeah. Weaver, who, who, you know, had worked at East Carolina for forever. Uh, sure. And or Donnie, in Donnie's case, Tripp went to school there. 
Uh, so I would do that. And then, you know, I, I'd, I'd try to hit on that. And, and even at times like last year uh, when Jamie played Sam Houston State in, in oh, the yeah. final, uh, Casey Keeler had recruited <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Reynolds and, and tried to get to know Taylor. I had known like Taylor Reynolds since he was a, a little kid. Uh, so, you know, it, uh, those kind of things I always try to I, I try to connect the dots at least a little bit. Uh, so that they, that, so that people kind of know what at least are some of the storylines within the game uh, that they may care about. Maybe, maybe they don't care, uh, but I try to highlight it for them anyway. So, do you know anything? <laughs> One team we haven't seen this year is yeah. uh, is Stony Brook, this week's opponent for the Dukes. Um, yeah. Any particular concerns or, or things you know looking for? You're looking forward to seeing this week. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's it's an interesting matchup when y- y- you just think about everything that's changed since the last time. Uh, Jam, you played Stony Brook. Yeah, uh, you know, you, you look back at 2015 and uh, and talking with with Chuck Priori uh, today on a teleconference a little bit. Uh, basically, he was like, "Yeah, some of the players on the defense are the same, but they're completely different and they're way better." You know, that that was pretty <laughs> yeah. much the essence of the answer. It wasn't his exact exact quote, but you know, they're well coached now. They they line up in the right gaps. They they do they do everything they're supposed to do now. Whereas that that wasn't the case two year you know two years ago when they played in Harrisonburg. Uh, I think they're it's interesting too because they kind of mirror each other in terms of philosophy. And Houston even said it today and, and had said it a little bit last week too. Is that you know Stony Brook they want to run the ball. They want to win the battle on the line of scrimmage, offensive and defensive lines, uh, and they're not going to do anything. Uh, you know, too crazy on offense with the quarterback and, and make the game uh, be won by uh, by Joe Carbone, that the, the Tony Brook quarterback. He's if, if you look at his stats this year, a massive improvement from last year. Uh, I think he's up to 22 touchdowns now, just three interceptions. Last year he turned a ball over at 12 interceptions. Mm. So they've done a lot to minimize his mistakes. Uh, JMU, I think that was a little bit more of the case last year. This year they, they've kind of let – you know, more more be on Brian Shore's shoulders. Uh, and, and probably, you know, kind of in the latter half of last year, they did the same thing. But uh, I thought it was kind of interesting that first and foremost, you know, Stony Brook wants to run the ball. JMU, of course, they you guys know they want to run it. They want they, If they can win the game running the ball every play, they'll do it. You know? Yes, yeah. Uh, they'll try for so, three quarters. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. So uh, when you think about just the way they want to go out business, especially offensively, uh, it, it, it's kind of similar. And, and then Priori said he even thinks that defenses are kind of similar in the fact that, you know, as, as they're really, really good in their base defense. Uh, and then, you know, the, the defensive coordinators will, will mix it up and, and bring the pressures when, when they need to. Uh, so I think philosophically they're, they're pretty similar and both play, both play pretty good special teams. So I think you're looking at two, two teams uh, with, with similar ideas about how to play the game. Uh, which should make for an interesting matchup, I guess. I guess you know, uh, Chuck and and Mike will see. We'll see who's better at it. <laughs> we have our thoughts on that, but no, I, I think it's. <laughs> I think it's a good point. You know, they're both kind of built from the lines out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of big bodies and Stony Brook. Stacy Bedell obviously gets lots of the headlines. You know, being yeah. the lead back, but they've got some other guys who can carry the ball as well. I think they had uh, Bedell. I don't think was even leading the rusher on Saturday. No, um, he, they've got he, they've got some weapons back there. Yeah, I guess Donald Leotine ran a ball for them. Uh, I guess Bedell got, had gotten hurt a little bit in that game, uh, so they they shied away from him late. But Sherman Alston had a touchdown, and and Gowins or Goins, I can't remember how you say it, yeah. uh, but he had two touchdowns. Leotine had the 133 yards and two touchdowns. Bedell, uh, but Bedell is kind of the the I guess if they they had to, he's probably the the number one guy. If they had to you know line it up every play and give it to somebody. 
he's probably the guy they're going to give it to in a, in a tight situation. Uh, and of course, you know, you guys, you guys probably know that he's a former JMU commit. Yep. Uh, yeah. From way back when. Pretty much every commit and UMass student. So yeah. He's been all over. Yeah. Yeah. He's, 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 yeah. He's been all over the place. And, and but he's done well at Stony Brook. I mean, it, he yeah. definitely, it took him a while to get there, but it was the right choice for him. He's a hell of a football player. Right. Exactly. And I, and I think, you know, that, that Stony Brook offensive line, the way they wore down Lehigh was, was pretty impressive. And, uh, in a story that, that I have for tomorrow's paper, you know, kind of make you kind of make that comparison to, you know, the way JMU typically runs over people. I thought it was the same thing that Lee uh, that Stony Brook did to Lehigh, uh, with the way their offensive line was able to lean on uh, Lehigh. Not, I, 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 and again, you you don't know how good Lehigh is uh, with you know them getting their their bid through the Patriot League and winning that 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 championship. But you know they they still won in the same way that JMU likes to win. Uh, so I think it, it kind of comes, uh, kind of comes full circle there. Yeah, I mean that was a close game. I think it was. Was it even scoreless at the end of the first quarter? I mean, it was kind of a slow roll, and then eventually Stony Brook just took over and then blew their doors off with a couple quick plays in the second half. So they, they are quite similar, both teams. You know, hopefully JMU is a little more effective at all phases, but Stony Brook's no slouch. They're no. a good team. They're big up front too. I mean, I, yeah. they got they got five offensive linemen. I think the smallest guy's two hundred ninety five pounds. The rest, the, the all the the other four over three hundred pounds, and they're missing their big uh their big all American tackle who's, who had the season ending injury. Mm. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that 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 offensive line is going to be tough for 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 JMU. And JMU's done a great job on defense. So it's hard to say, you know. That, that Stony Brook will come in here and, and be able to run the ball well. You just can't say that with what JMU's done up front, right. especially on the defensive line with Robinson and Ankra, mm-hmm. uh, and Cornell Urquhart and, and Darius Carter and, and, and Rondell Carter too. Uh, so I, you, you can't just say they're going to come in here and, and, and kind of whip, whip JMU around. But I think it will be a good, a good physical challenge uh, for, for the Dukes. Well, that's a good, uh, good <clears throat> segue into the next question, which is, you know, I, I'm assuming Houston. Did the players get to go home for Thanksgiving and then come back Friday or Saturday or something like that? Yeah, they they had they had they practiced last week Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, off Thursday, Friday, and I guess Houston said they were back Saturday night and then practiced uh, practiced Sunday. Okay, so, uh, so so yeah, they had a, they got they got a nice little little break for Thanksgiving. How how do they seem? I mean, how does do you think Coach Houston and the team seem confident going into this week or? Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think they do. And they, they have no reason not to be confident. Sure. I think, you know, you win, you win that many games in a row. Uh, you're you're going to show up each day, each day confident and ready to go. Uh, Houston said uh, that, that he looked that, that he thought the team looked refreshed and, and kind of revitalized a little bit after, after that time off. I guess, you know, and the other thing to account in all this is that, you know, you go week in and week out, you know, taking – that they got a lot of teams' best shots, and you guys yeah. have probably heard them say that over and over again mm-hmm. in the stories and the interviews that they do. Uh, but they, they re- it really was a little bit of a grind there in the middle of CAA play. I know they, they finished really strong, uh, you know, beating Elon the way they did. Uh, but to, they 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 got some they got some tough games during CAA play. So I think to have that bye week kind of gave them that 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 breath that they needed to take before, before the playoffs, they could relax a little bit uh, before getting ready for, you know, should they do what they did last year, another, you know, three week grind before getting to Frisco. <laughs> I guess that's kind of our next question is what, what do you think about the Duke's chances this year of these next three weeks? Um, honestly, until, until they, 
until they lose, it's hard to say they won't they won't get back. I think that that defense that this year that the, the level they they've just been getting better each and every week hmm. uh, defensively. You look, they're only giving up like nine points <laughs> per game, and you look at the more recent games. You know, they only gave up three points to Elon. They they had a shutout in there. Uh, Rhode Island didn't score very many. Uh, <laughs> it, it just the way they've they've grown defensively and the, the way they put pressure on a quarterback, uh, they have what uh, thirty six or forty sacks. Like I can't remember the exact number, uh, but it's all it, it's off the charts. And they're always in the backfield disrupting the quarterback. And as soon as that, as soon as the game turns, and this is this is kind of always the key for me, <laughs> uh, when it comes to JMU. As soon as they get up by a score or two, you know whether that's in the second quarter or maybe it doesn't come to the third quarter. Mm-hmm. But as soon as that happens, the, they know the other team has to start throwing the football and can't try. And the other team can't try to play that, you know, control the clock type game uh, that, that sometimes opponents like to do with JMU. <laughs> and I thought Elon maybe tried to do it a little too much there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, down in North Carolina a yep. uh, week and a half ago. Uh, but you can't do that when you're playing from behind. And then once JMU realizes that, you know, a team with a quarterback, and in the CAA this year, they've seen mostly young quarterbacks. They have. Have had to play from behind, throw the ball. <clears throat> JMU's ratcheted up their pressure, and they've, they've been able to get after that quarterback, and that quarterback always looks, looks like a mess at that point because, <laughs> you know, it, it starts up front because they can get there with four if mm-hmm. they have to. Uh, but then all of a sudden, you know, they're bringing Raven Green, they're bringing <laughs> Jordan Brown, Brown, they're bringing Hawkins, they're bringing uh, Herford or whoever else is in there at linebacker. Uh, and it's it's tough. It's tough to match that. And then when that happens, the quarterback either he gets sacked or he starts, you know, throwing interceptions. And that's when the defense gets, you know, starts having their defensive touchdowns. Like whether it's Rashad Robinson, or, right. you know, somebody else picking off a pass. They're just at that point in the game when the game flips and JMU's ahead by a couple of scores, and the other team has to start trying to trying to get on the board quickly. I just it, it's tough to give the other team a chance. That, that, that's just at least how I see most of these games. Uh, the JMU have, have been has been in you know especially in CAA play. It's great. Oh, yeah, to... without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, the, the defense it's just it's like a python, just slowly <laughs> kind of squeezes people to death at the end, and there's nothing they can do. Um, it's it's super fun to watch as a fan. Sure, I guess people will kill us if we don't ask kind of a question in everybody's mind. But you you wrote the article last night about mm-hmm. Houston being very yeah. happy <laughs> here. Yeah. Um, Clearly, he seems too smart to let anything slip and, and like the kind type of guy who is going to be focused throughout. But what sense do you get? Like, is he really pleased with Jamie? Do you think he's got a wandering eye or you just think he's going to play it close to the best? Uh, from, from my conversations uh, with Mike, I think personally he's extremely happy at James Madison. Uh, mm. I know. I know that's, you know. Hallelujah. <laughs> I know, I, 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 and I know that's probably you know you would, what you guys expect to hear because it's probably you know the company for any line that that any coach would would have. Uh, but you kind of look at what he has done, at, not only what he's done at James Madison, but what he has at JMU. Yeah, and you think about the support from the administration, the facilities he has, and the the kind of the recruiting areas that he has. It, it's all led to some of the success that that he's having now, and. You think about other jobs that, that, you know, he's in the mix for. And obviously what was reported by USA Today and Football Scoop over the weekend was that, that he was a candidate at Georgia Southern. And, you know, if you, if you kind of logically think about it, is, is that 
is that a massive difference of a job? Uh, is that, you know, such a better situation than what he has right now? And, you know, logically, you can kind of think to yourself, probably, probably not. It's an FBS job. But at what point does a, you know, middle of the pack group of five job uh, differ that drastically from, you know, the, maybe the top, probably the top job, I guess you could probably say North Dakota State, you know, one of the top two jobs in, in FCS. And it's probably not all that different, especially the way uh, JMU operates in terms of an athletic department with mm-hmm. what they have resource with resources and uh, the way they spend money. You know, JMU, if you look at the, the amount of money they spend, you know, they're up there with all the other FB, with, with pretty much all FBS schools, no FCS schools, even, even in close range. I, I don't remember what the exact figure is. I guess, yeah. you know, Steve Berkowitz's, you know, USA Today report has all the schools and JMU's there kind of in the middle of a bunch of FBS schools and they're the top FCS school in terms of, you know, spending and revenue. So when, when you think about that, you know, that that's a good situation to be in if you're Mike Houston. And I don't know. I, I just think when he – I think he comes off very, very genuine, and I think it is very, very genuine. I, that, that's at least how I see it. I've been around different coaches, Dana Holgerson at West Virginia, uh, the very end of Bill Stewart's time at West Virginia, oh, yeah. uh, all different assistant coaches. And you, you know when you talk to some of these coaches that uh, – and I'm not saying it's Dana, you know, I'm not right. saying Dana, but I'm saying assistant – I've talked to assistant coaches on different staffs and, uh, you know, other – other coaches here at JMU and you know you know when a coach is looking for a new job you you get that sense when you talk to him or you know when you ask him you know how he feels about a certain place uh you get that sense and with with Mike Houston you know I don't get that sense that he's eyeing just the next opportunity I think he enjoys what he's doing right now but you know if if there's a job that you know maybe he can't say no to, then yeah, he he, he might leave. You know, I, I think yeah. that's kind of the way to look at it at this point. But uh, if if I were a Jamie fan at this point, you know, I'd probably be you know okay with what's going on. It, it, yeah, yes. You know, we yeah. keep thinking that all, all, all along. I mean, it, obviously, you know, he gets an opportunity at a Power Five school, maybe even a few American Conference schools. We're not going to yeah. be gru- we're not going to be grudging that, you know, but. Um, <laughs> But at the G5 level, you know, you just keep – I keep thinking to myself about Jamie's last two coaches. And Everett Withers yeah. is on it. You know, he's been gone two years, and he's probably almost out the door at Texas State. You know, a guy like Mickey was able to stay at JMU for almost 15 years and make a career. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know that you – you know, yeah, you could you can raise your salary. You might even double your salary, but – if you go to somewhere like Statesboro, Georgia, are you going to have access to the same type of resources and pipeline that you have at JMU? I, I don't know. I just, I, you know, you go to Statesboro, even North Dakota State, you know, you're really making your money on transfers. JMU is yeah. able to really layer in, they're able to layer in, you know, selective transfers while also, you know, you go 400 miles in any direction from JMU. There's a whole lot of talent in that area to just recruit straight out of high school. Um, it's a pretty pretty good place to be for sure. Yeah, and I think I think the other the other part of all that is, you know, it's probably important to be selective in terms of what the next step is, just because you know maybe he may not you know if if you go somewhere, uh, you know, group of five level, we'll just keep using Georgia Southern as the example, mm-hmm. and if you swing and miss there, that may be your your chance at an FBS level job. That may yeah. be it. You right. Know? So. 
it's probably in his best interest to, to be selective. You know, yeah. that's, that's just my opinion. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. Go someplace uh, where it's set up where he can win and not Georgia Southern. You certainly can, but that's a bit of a rebuilding job. Um, oh yeah. You know, so it's not like hopping into JMU where he was well positioned to take advantage of the resources um, that were presented to him. You know, he's done an outstanding job of kind of seizing the moment, but Georgia Southern would be a totally different perspective. It's kind of going from the ground up. Yeah, and 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 remember this, you know, he wasn't a high, he was a high school coach not too long ago. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, 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 it's it's crazy to think about. So it is. I think you know he he appreciates you know each step that he's had, and I think that's no different you know where he's at right now. We are looking forward to a high school coach pregame speech this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, Stony Brook kind of served one up there. Yeah, uh, they really I, guess, did. I guess you know I. Oh man! Uh, did Priori try to walk that back a little bit today, or did what, did that come up at all? No, it, it didn't come up on the teleconference. Okay. He he was very uh, he, he praised Jamie a ton on the teleconference this okay. morning. Uh, he was he was you know pretty respectful. Talked about how Mike's done a done a good job at JMU, and and I, I think there's appreciation between uh, both both Mike and and Chuck because you know you look they like they said they look at each other's teams and they kind of see. They kind of see the team, the, you know, their team yeah. uh, in, in each other's squad. So I think there's sure. some, some great respect there. That's great to hear. So, uh, Greg, one, one uh, kind of couple joking questions here, unless Rob has any more serious things. Um, all this sort of peripheral JMU media, um, dorks like us, the JMU Nation page, all your recruiting experts, Evangelista and company that bother you all the time. <laughs> um, is this good or bad for, the, for you and the DNR? Hey, as long, as long as people keep reading that, that's fine. You know, right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. You know, fans, fans are going to be fans anywhere. And, and, you know, coming from West Virginia, where I was <laughs> cover, covering that team, my gosh, uh, that the, the message boards and the, and some <laughs> of the, the fans there just, uh, little, little unbelievable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just in terms of some of the stuff that they would put out and, and it was almost unnecessary at times. But, you know, I think, I think with, with this situation is, you know, it's probably good for elite, probably good for JMU that, you know, other people care enough, you know, like you guys to do, to do a sports podcast, because, you know, it's, it's not like West Virginia where there's, where there's 50 media members covering a team. It's pretty much, right. you know, me, uh, you know, TV three, <laughs> right. uh, Dave Thomas, who does a great job and, sure um, does. and, you know, occasionally Charlottesville and Richmond will come over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, you know, uh, there's not that, that many media members that cover the team. So it's probably nice to have, you know, another, another voice in there, uh, you know, to, to talk about the team. I'm sure, I'm sure fans enjoy it. It's good to hear. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not, I'm not one to get bothered by that kind of stuff. All right. Good. Yeah. Labor day weekend, 2019, uh, Morgantown, West Virginia. (laughs) You looking forward to that weekend? (laughs) One day, just one day at a time. Just one day at a time. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're definitely um we'll, we'll bother you when uh whenever this football season comes to an end, which hopefully will not be until mid January, but uh we'll, we'll we'll bother you to try to to try to hook up with your uh, colleague Josh Walfish about hoops by that time. John, John, John. Oh, I messed yeah. it up. Look. So, and one more thing, Greg. I, I'm a Met fan, like you, wise man. Oh man, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, oh, Todd, Todd is oh, a fan of I was another NLS the, team I, yeah. that, that likes to make it to the first round of the playoffs and then bail out every year. Yes, I'm tell a DC. Todd why the Mets are going to win the NL East next year. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, it, it's tough to say. I need I need a couple of reasons. Now, I guess Degrom and Syndergaard, those two got to stay healthy. Hopefully, Mickey Calloway can work some magic and maybe revive Harvey. 
Uh, oh, I'm not holding my breath on that one, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm not either. Dominic <laughs> I, I Smith wasn't really encouraging me in, in August and September either. Nah, it, it, honestly, it's, it's not looking too too promising uh, for the for for the Mets. I, I I don't know. It just it's just so crazy because you know two years ago they're in a World Series. You know, 2015. That's not that long ago, and it feels like just forever. Ago. Feels like it feels decades like, ago. Yeah, yeah it feels oh like just gosh. a totally different team. You know, yeah. it, I I don't know. I I. It's tough, you know. It's just tough because they've had so many injuries over the past two years. In 2016, it was a miracle, you know. They they made the wild card game uh, with the injuries they had then. Uh, but this year, they lost what six of the seven starting pitchers they entered the year with. <laughs> yeah, uh, the was... only guy, the only guy standing at the end was Degrom. The only guy not to hit the DL. Yep. Uh, so, I, I, it, it comes down to health with the Mets. I don't know what they can do, uh, you know, payroll wise. Apparently, they're going to reduce spending a little bit, but. Uh, We'll yeah, see. I don't. These Ian Kinsler rumors are not the thing that <laughs> get them over the top, in my opinion. But we shall see. That's why they well, play the games. My guys only have one more year with Bryce, so yeah, and it's, then he'll it's be now or never time here. Yeah, and he'll be in pinstripes. <laughs> right, right. It'll be easy for us. We can still root against him. So. Right. <laughs> easy transition. Oh, Greg, right, thank well. you so so much. Yeah. Oh, happy, happy to do it, uh, Todd, Rob. It, it was a pleasure. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thanks a lot, Greg. Really yeah, keep up it. the good work. We love it. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, see, catch up with you in Frisco. All right. Sounds good. Take All care, right. guys. Thanks. Well, we can't thank Greg enough. That was really fantastic to talk with uh, the, the most the most official media member uh, covering the Dukes this year. And uh, it, it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I think, Rob, right when we were in school, I don't know if we were really aware that much of the Daily News record. I mean, no, um, probably you know, a not. little bit, probably more. Probably I mean, yeah. there was no online, so we were in some ways maybe more aware. But no, they, if I, it I wasn't on the Vax. I don't. I don't think it was. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think. Um, I don't think. Uh, you know, the DNR didn't have the same relationship and and didn't fa- You know, get all. If Jamie Sports didn't didn't move the needle like it does now, so it's it's awesome the progression that they've made as well in bringing Greg. And his colleagues in. So hopefully everybody enjoyed that. We are going to move on to the regular portion of the podcast. We are a little sh- a little light tonight because we didn't have a game this past weekend. And we're all glad for that. And looking forward to, we all got a chance to recharge, eat some turkey, and uh, look forward to the playoffs. But we're going to talk a little bit tonight. Uh, we do want to do, we're not going to obviously do four downs, but we are going to do not so much a concern, but really things we're looking forward, maybe something that's a concern or something we're most looking forward to this weekend in Jamie's game against Stony Brook. Uh, Rob, did you want to start us off with something? Yeah, I guess I'm trying to focus more on the things that I'm looking forward to. First of all, yeah. playoff football. I mean, it's just, yes. there's, we're past the point of worrying or what's the weaknesses and it's just ready to go out and, and enjoy the games um, even more so than in the regular season. Um, I, I think just picking up where we were talking about with Greg, I'm really excited to see kind of the two lines go at it i mean stony brook has a big big uh set of linemen and it'll be an interesting challenge to see how they match up against the dukes Um, not so much in terms of being worried but just um it's going to be a tougher challenge yes and i think they face certainly at elon um the offensive line in my opinion played it as we talked about last Mm -hmm. week played its best game of the year against elon and i'm just really excited to see how they do against some kind of bigger uh stronger competition this week i think it's gonna be a good battle i'm i'm pretty confident jamie's gonna come out on top i think that bye week is gonna help a lot yeah um just kind of resting up but i I think that's kind of an exciting matchup like greg was saying these teams are kind of built in a similar way 
I think JMU probably has a little bit more talent. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fair to say. I'm not, not saying that to take a shot at Stony Brook. I mean, Jamie's the defending national champs. So right, right. It's, no, not. I mean, Stony Brook, certainly all those guys are better athletes than I ever could hope to be. Um, but this can be a fun matchup. You know, it's, I'm not somebody who really gets into the X's and O's of line play. I'm not going to even try to fake it. But I do enjoy seeing these guys um, kind of need to elevate their game. And, and we've seen that down the stretch. And I think this is going to be a case where they're going to need to do that again if Jamie wants to win the football game. Yeah. And let me just say, starting off on mine, or playing off of that, I'm terrified of this game. <laughs> I, I, I know I, I, it's great to hear you and Greg make me feel a whole lot better in the last 30 minutes. Um, and I was terrified of the New Hampshire game last year. And maybe this is just all the years, sort of late era Mickey and the two years with Withers, that just, you know, I just feel like if Jamie can get through this first game, I will feel so much more confident. But it was great to hear one thing I'm really looking forward to and, and that Greg alluded to is I'm hopeful that maybe the pressure is off JMU at this point. You know, they really had to grind through a CAA schedule where they were the target every week. And not that they're, I mean, everybody's a target in the playoffs. And JMU is coming in with a healthy team. It sounded like, according to Greg, you know, a refreshed team. And maybe a team with the playbook, you know, on full throttle for the first time all year, which is really exciting for me. I'm just really hopeful that, uh, you know, I'm sure the kids too, you know, they were, they've been number one most of the year, you know, since week one or week two, they've been number one. They were the defending champs and there was pressure to go undefeated, certainly those last two or three weeks. And maybe now they feel like they're just ready to go play. Yeah. I think there's probably a lot to that. You know, I mean, clearly it's win or go home and and Mm -hmm. some, from that standpoint, it should be more pressure. But now it's almost like a level playing field, so to speak. Like everybody's yeah. got that same pressure. Everybody's exactly. in the thing. They don't yeah. have the undefeated hanging over their heads, the streak. And um, you saw how excited the players were when they won the championship. And, sure. Um, you know, speaking of the CAA championship yeah, yeah. last year in Frisco. Yeah, yeah. But in some sense, it's got to be relief. Like, okay, we did that. You know, goal one yeah. achieved. Yep. Now let's go defend our crown everybody else is kind of back with the same sort of target winner go home. And I think there's probably a lot of truth to that. You know, it didn't really occur to me until you just said it, but uh, you you got me sold. (laughs) Well, your only focus is this week. I mean, right. You know, all season, I think there's been, you know, Houston's tried his best and done an incredible job at keeping them focused week to week. But there has to be this thing in the back of your mind that knows we're number one, we're undefeated. We're defending champs. We got to keep this going. Like you're, it's not just the opponent right in front of you. Where I felt like last year when Jamie got to the playoffs, you could tell every week New Hampshire, Sam Houston, North Dakota. The only thing that mattered was those sixty minutes that Saturday. And looking forward to maybe seeing that JMU team resurface again this week. Yeah, yeah. Rob, did you have anything else you want to? Yeah, I I don't know if it's a concern, um, more just like a question. Like I don't know what we learned or if we learned anything at all by Stony Brook beating Lehigh. Um, Lehigh was kind of, you know, a lesser version of JMU in the Withers area in terms of just being absolutely all offense, no defense. It's a great point. Um, you know, like, so they, they hung around and they, they were a hot team, one mm-hmm. of the hottest teams entering the playoffs, but they just kind of outscored some relatively weaker FCS teams yep. in the Patriot League. 
And, you know, they, they hung around there and held Stony Brook scoreless for a while. And then they just got worn out, as Greg mentioned. You know, sooner or later, there is kind of not that sort of difference that you have between FBS and FCS level. But between a Stony Brook and a Lehigh, you start to just see the difference in depth and athleticism and size. Yeah. And eventually it was just too much for them. So, I think um, that's a great point. Cause... You know, like a great win, but I don't think we should be worried because they put up 59 points against Lehigh. I mean, it's, it's very it's, reminiscent it's Lehigh. of Lehigh. It's very reminiscent of New Hampshire in their opening round game last they year. They blew the doors off Lehigh. Right. You know, yeah. and, and that probably is what terrified me last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Lehigh, the 29 points that Lehigh scored against Stony Brook were not garbage time. No. Right? Like, I mean, that was a 34-29 game, I think, at one point before Stony Brook dropped the hammer. Yeah. Um, so, you know. If Lehigh and look, Lehigh is a talented offensive team. I don't think there's anything, any doubt about that. They have a, oh that Pelletier is one yeah, of the best I mean, they receivers have a potential, in FCS. Right, yeah. they have a potential NFL receiver, uh, a quality quarterback, some exper- you know just experience in the passing game for sure. That was legit Patriot League or no Patriot League, um, but 29 points is encouraging when you think about Brian Shore and Trey Sharp and Marcus Marshall and Jonathan Klusterman and the whole crew. Uh, coming up this week. So my my big thing this week, and one thing I'm really looking forward to, hopefully for a couple more weeks, three, two, three more weeks here, um, hopefully three more weeks, is the playoff crowds uh, at JMU. And this is a funny one. I I just want to be positive about this. You know, people get so, in the message boards today, the last couple of days, who's coming to the game? That You know, why aren't you there? What's going on? You know, one thing last year, Sam Houston, it wasn't a huge crowd, but it was a really intense crowd. And I think Coach Houston and the team seem to understand that. These are tough weeks for fans. Uh, this year, JMU may have three games. Most fans know that. Last year, JMU had two home games and then a trip to Frisco. And it kind of built and a through. A trip to Fargo, too. A trip to Fargo in, in the yeah. middle, right? That yeah. some incredible fans made the trip yeah. uh, to Fargo. No, and that's awesome. Um, but I don't think this is a time to kind of shame fans who aren't there, um, to get down on students. This is a time to realize this really is one thing about playoff football. These are the hardcore fans. Um, the people who are there, who are able to make this trip on a week's notice, who are able to make the trip next week on a week's notice, potentially, you know, these, the people that are there care a ton and it's a great opportunity for fans and we have had a blast at some of these games and look forward to more, hopefully, this year. But, you know, there's no reason to be down about, you know, New Hampshire had like 2,500 people there last week in their home game. Like, Jamie's going to have 15,000 people there this week. It may not feel like a game day crowd, but it's going to be a great, those 15,000 people are there because they want to watch an awesome football game in the playoffs. They're not there because somebody gave them tickets or, you know, whatever. They, they were at a homecoming party or something like that. So I'm looking forward to the energy of the JMU crowd, hopefully not only this week, but maybe even a couple more weeks. Yeah, that's a good point because these really are kind of like – they're never the biggest crowds in the playoffs, but oftentimes they're the most lively. You and I have been fortunate to have been in, at some JMU playoff home games in the past, and it's a totally different energy in the same mm-hmm. If you can make it. By all means, we encourage you to go. If you can't, um, watch don't a game. Let, yeah, just watch the game. I mean, it, there's nothing that ruins the kind of build up and excitement of a game more than fans arguing about 
who's a better fan and you got to go. It's just dumb. Just no, enjoy the game. It's if December, you can make it, people. Go have a yeah. blast. Um, this is the most difficult time. I'm not going to be there. I'm just, right. I don't think I'm less of a fan. I've got stuff, family commitments. Yep. Um, this is my wife week and too. kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't feel bad about it. I wish I could be there, but sometimes you can't. I'll be watching the game. Maybe I'll be right. watching some friends. I'll be watching with my boys. That'll yep. be fun. Um, but it's going to be a good time. Uh, don't focus as much on what JMU isn't or what JMU doesn't have and just enjoy it. This is a great team. It's going to be a great time for all the folks that are fortunate enough to be there. Yep. And um, hopefully we'll get to see a bit of a run. Absolutely. So that takes us through uh, the hardcore portion tonight. We are going to do an off topic. Rob, you want to introduce it? Yeah, this was something we'd been tossing around for a while. And then our buddy uh, Chris Ward kind of suggested it and put it in, in a little bit different terms, but we're going to do our favorite beers and this is not going to be, the standard kind of, you know, we like such and such IPA or, you know, Founders Kentucky Breakfast Stout. These are kind of like our atmospheric beers, like when you're drinking, like, a, I don't want to spoil it because I got a feeling I'm... At a particular you know, situation. At, at a particular situation. So it's right. a situational beer, not necessarily the, the type or the... The all-time brewery, greatest beer. The all-time right. greatest beer, but your situation beer... You'll get it when we start talking, or yep. you won't, and you can just turn off the podcast now, and life goes on. <laughs> right. But uh, we'll do three each, and Todd, I'll let you go first. Okay, so I guess my um, the first one that um, we talked about earlier today was kind of your standard after-work beer. Yeah. So, like, say you are having a weeknight where you came home from work, and you're looking forward to enjoying a beverage, and I think that is the key term, a beverage, right? Yes. Right. Um the, the beer you would drink on Saturday night when you have a chance to have multiple beverages is not the same one you might drink on a Wednesday <laughs> after work, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, for me, I mean, I, I don't mean to get too, but this is the time I really enjoy some, I, you know, Rob and I are both big IBA fans. I certainly like a lighter beer most of the time on some of our other things. We'll get there. But uh, this is the time when I would enjoy a porter or a stout and uh one kind of go-to here is the Founders Porter. I, I can't even remember the name. It's got the lady in the black thing on the cover. Uh, oh, but especially this about. time of year, this is yeah. kind of, you know, as it starts to get a little colder, that's one where I, I definitely enjoy. Something. The winter warmer? Yes, the winter warmer. Yes, yes. after work with the meal. Yes, that mm-hmm. is good. Well, I'm going to go the other direction. Okay. <laughs> I'm a big fan the lawnmower beer, the proverbial lawnmower beer. And I'm okay. not talking about like something super light like they call it that for a reason there's nothing better than in the summer when you're doing some work outside you know we'll use mowing the lawn for the sake of this little right. spiel that nobody's yes. going to listen to but um, <laughs> when you do like not hard labor because anybody who knows me i'm not really a hard labor type of guy. <laughs> i'm not the handiest person but i do mow the lawn I the mean streets of, of like, delray yes. yeah yeah so like i'll take care of that and there's something particularly satisfying about mowing your lawn, coming in, you're hot, you're sweaty, you have that nice cold beer and kind of look back and for the 20 minutes before it starts growing again, my lawn actually looks decent and yes. I just, I feel good. I enjoy the beer. It's done. And yep. I turn around, it already looks like crap again. But yep. for, for those like 15 minutes where I'm enjoying a cold one in the middle of July and like on a Saturday afternoon, <laughs> it's a big treat for me. Yes. No, that's a pretty good one. Um, my absolute favorite type of situational beer is the shower beer, mm-hmm. the, right? The, and this yes. is really particularly focused on the summertime uh, at the beach. Excuse me. I need to cross off one from my list. All right, right. <laughs> so you're at the beach. You've come in off the beach. Uh, you, maybe you're getting ready for some, to, to grill out. You're getting ready to do a seafood boil. You're getting ready to go out. 
to pick some crabs or oysters or something. Oh wait, are you going out outdoor shower beer? This that's is the outdoor level. shower oh, beer. Yes. That's a whole yeah, other level. I don't know that I can. I, I do love the regular shower beer, but I really, I, I don't know. It's it's a point in my life when I'm. That's really inappropriate most times. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think whereas you're on on vacation at the beach, and the outdoor shower beer is just that that's my all time favorite. I rented a beach Best house beer a couple. Yeah. I rented a beach house a couple of years ago that had a shower um, with a cooler permanently outside it, and I was like, "This house was made for me." Somebody knows what they're doing. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> yes. Great. Okay, I'm gonna go. This is kind of a random one, but I'm gonna go fire pit beer. Oh, really good one. Yeah. Just because, like, I don't know. Maybe there are people out there that sit around fire pits by themselves, but I'm not one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to think of fire pits like usually with a bunch of good friends, like. You know, we'll have a fire pit when we do the guys weekend and stay up at Price. You know, that's just kind of a fun atmosphere. Oh, yeah. Nowadays, we do it a lot with, like, neighbors, with the kids, and it's always fun. Like, the dads will have drinks, the moms will have wine, the kids are roasting marshmallows. It's always just kind of like a fun kind of fall atmosphere, mm-hmm. and nothing goes better with it than a nice beer. Um, like you, like, that's, for me, that's when I'll really like a stout or a porter, something nice and heavy, but it's just kind of a fun kind of atmospheric sort of thing that um i don't know just makes me happy yep i'm right there with you because i i think i was going to say a campfire beer yeah would be my other one i mean it's pretty much the same thing but uh yeah when you're somewhere where you're not you are not going to move for the next 12 hours yeah you got yourself a comfortable seat right you're just settled in yep curled up a little bit yep Mm -hmm. so that's that's pretty much the end of my list you got one more rob well uh, I don't know. This might be very particular to me, but I think maybe some other parents might get it, but I refer to it as the dad beer. <laughs> um, I guess it could be a mom beer too, but when my kids were younger, I mean, I love my kids and they're a blessing. It's been great, but there are those nights when you just need to get away. <laughs> and my favorite thing when they were younger and they were really kind of, you know, making a fuss or whatever is, We'd go order a pizza or something, and I could strategically place the order so I knew there was time for me to bail up to the bar and have a beer or two while I waited for the pizza. <laughs> I know. And that. there's nothing more satisfying than having a nice idea. <laughs> waiting for takeout. Knowing you don't need to do anything other than go home, just eat pizza. You're not cooking. And it's just like, get me this one beer, get me the pizza, go home, put the kids to bed, and I can sit on the couch. So there's a theme here where all my beers are old man beers, but. Um, no, probably, I, probably telling. So I don't have kids, so I don't know that one, but I certainly appreciate that uh, that thought process that goes into that one. I can only yeah. imagine how I'll satisfying check, that one must be. Must I'll be. check with Rich. Yeah. See Rich, Rich is, <laughs> yeah, he'll be getting there come, soon, right? Yeah, come to accept the dad beer yet. Yeah, this is going to be the first time Dreek listens all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. So I think with um, that, it kind of brings us close to the end. We do want to encourage you before Rob takes us out. Um, two quick things. Definitely. Thanks again to Greg Medea and check out Greg is doing a podcast through the, uh, rival site and you just look in the DNR or on the JMU rival site. You can find Greg's work. Um, he obviously is fortunate to have access. We will never have to players and coaches and stuff. And it is really cool and enlightening stuff, um, about the team and the program and for the hardcore football fans, I think really good stuff. Uh, we can't thank him enough for being on, but definitely go check that out. Buy a subscription to the DNR. Um, it's much cheaper than the Post or the New York Times or any of the big papers. So if you're really interested in JMU football, I think it's a, couple, a few bucks a month uh, to be a subscriber to the DNR. And that 
obviously support some local media there in Harrisonburg, which can only improve the product. So that's one thing. And then the second thing is, again, Rob and I will be having our brand new t-shirt campaign coming out to hopefully raise some money to put back into the podcast and into all the stuff we're trying to do here. And we're really excited about our new logo. It's pretty awesome. Um, maybe you can wear the shirt, show them you're kind of in on the joke along with us, <laughs> right? And uh, that'll be coming out uh, this week and it'll be available at bonfire.com slash JMUSB. So Rob, you want to take us out? No, just uh, once again, thanks to Greg. Really enjoyed having him on and uh, really appreciate and enjoy reading everything he has to to write about the Dukes. Um, please go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, iTunes or Bumpers. Um, we even saw some people give us some reviews, which was, which was nice. Oh, yeah, more Early. reviews. Yeah, subscribe. Yeah, more reviews. Give us more yeah, reviews. Subscribe, do that. And uh, uh, I don't know, just thanks again for everybody supporting uh, the blog and the podcast and having fun with us. Uh, makes being a Jamie fan that much more fun for me and Todd to kind of have this community that we've become uh, a part of. So thanks for everybody and hope everybody have a great Thanksgiving and let's uh, look forward to a big win this weekend. All right. I will nervously be texting with you on Saturday, Rob, and uh, hopefully we will all be celebrating and looking forward to another game next Monday. Oh, I think we will. I think <laughs> we will. All right. So go Dukes. Go Dukes.